And so let us continue to worship. And let us, as forgiven and beloved people, hear our scripture reading for this second Sunday in Advent. We've heard bits and pieces of it throughout the morning, but let us hear its entirety. We are hearing from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. I'm, again, as always, reading, well, not always, I do like to switch things up occasionally, but today we are reading from the Common English Bible Translation, but as always, I do encourage you to hear this or to follow along in the biblical language that best connects you with God. So once again, let us hear from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse, and a branch will sprout from the roots. The Lord's spirit will rest upon them, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of planning and strength, a spirit of knowledge and love of the Lord. And he will delight in loving the Lord He won't judge by appearances nor decide by hearsay. They will judge the needy with righteousness and decide with equity for those who suffer in the land. And he will strike the violent with the rod of his mouth. By the breath of their lips, they will kill the wicked and the righteousness will be the belt around their hips, faithfulness the belt around their waist. The wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together and a lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play over the snake's hole. Toddlers will reach right over the serpent's den, and they won't harm or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as the water covers the sea. And on that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations will seek him out, and his dwelling will be glorious. Mm. Thus ends our reading. These are the lessons of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now our theme for Advent this year is one of journey. And we're all on a journey, amen? Some kind of journey. We don't know where we're going. Sometimes there's a handbasket involved, but we are on a journey. And while our journeys may all look different, while we're all in different places on our faith journey, or even journeys on the road, taking us to different places with different pathways, all of these journeys no matter how individualized they are, have something in common. And it's that we all have to start somewhere. 
They all start at the beginning, with the very first step, wherever or whatever that is. Now, last week, we took the first step. It was the start of our Advent journey toward Christmas. It was the very first week of Advent, and so we took time to get the house ready for the holidays. That was the hanging of the greens last week, if y'all are curious. That was the purpose of it. And with that, we entered into this new season, this new year of the church, with the lighting of the candle of hope, that first purple candle on our Advent wreath. The lighting of that candle proclaimed a hope for the future, a hope for what was to come, a hope for the journey that we were about to embark on. Now, maybe it was a strong hope. Maybe it was a tentative one, not quite knowing what to expect, but having hope that God will show us the way. And so this week, we have lit both the candle of hope, which we still are holding on to, but we've also lit the candle of peace. And so begins this new part of our journey, a journey of or toward peace. And woo, we all could use some peace, amen? We could all use some peace, especially today. Peace of mind would be nice. Peace of body would be great. Peace of spirit would be awesome. We all can use some peace, maybe even peace and quiet. I don't know what's going on in your houses. I know I could use some of that. And the last few years really have been anything but peaceful in many ways. And I think so many of us were looking forward to that time when the pandemic would lift, that we could experience peace again. And it just seems to keep getting pushed back further and further and further. The last few years have been anything but peaceful. Just since 2020, we had the dual pandemics of COVID and racism. We've had some seriously disorienting moments in politics, whatever side of the aisle you are on. We've had and are currently experiencing major uncertainty in the economy, major uncertainty in our communities as the need for feeding the hungry and housing the homeless or the, ho the housing insecure continues to grow. And our nation has been kind of a hot mess lately too. A mess of unrest and confusion. And so all of us could really use some of that peace that we are journeying toward. And that's just here in the US. On the world stage, where do we even begin? Because there's still the ongoing health crisis not just of COVID, but of other issues throughout the world. And then, of course, we cannot forget COVID because the newest version is always looming somewhere. There are wars and armed conflicts, not just in the Ukraine, but in Uganda and the Congo, Iran, Afghanistan. It's everywhere. 
and then you bring it back home, violence is here in the U.S. Violent acts too numerous to name just in this last six months, never mind this last year. So many that some of us have become really desensitized to their announcements in the news. We don't even notice it anymore. Even the natural world, even creation is groaning with droughts, wildfires, and severe storms. I think you all get the picture. And so a journey toward peace, journey toward peace seems a little bit impossible to conceive of sometimes. Never mind plan for, or even want to begin. Sometimes I wonder, are we lighting the candle in hope of peace, or are we lighting the candle in memory of peace? Because it's been quite some time since many of us have known it. Now, for the original audience of today's Isaiah text, they too were longing for peace. Because peace was also not something the people knew well, certainly not in their recent memory. They'd heard stories of it, but they'd never really experienced it. And when you look at the book, at the whole book of Isaiah in its entirety, you can, you can see why. Scholars read the book of Isaiah in two or sometimes three parts, and the first 39 chapters chronicle the prophecies and the events leading up to the eventual exile of the Israelites into captivity in Babylon. These passages warn the people of Israel about the potential consequences of their political and personal decisions. Decisions which left them open, open to exploitation by their own people and eventual annihilation by foreign powers. And much of the texts associated with that time of exile can also be found in Lamentations. And whoa, if you ever want to feel less alone during a crisis, this is the book for you. You will find everything you need related to upheaval and a desperate longing for peace to be experienced in your lifetime. But back to today's text. The people of Israel are in a real bad way here with Isaiah speaking to them, and things are getting real messy. The kingdom of Judah in particular, which is where it is believed that the writer or writers of Isaiah are originating from and addressing this too. This particular kingdom of Judea, of Judah, excuse me, was being threatened by an up-and-coming world power known as the Assyrians. The world must have felt like it was on fire, literally and figuratively. And on top of being threatened by this foreign power, they have no real leader. They have no one that they can turn to because they no longer have a king. The Davidic line had been destroyed, which is what the reference is to the, the stump is, the family tree of their royal line had been cut down to a mere stump. There was nothing, it seemed, left of it. And with that royal line, it seemed like all hope for Israel was lost. Not that the previous kings of that line were awesome. 
their greed and their questionable political alliances had led Judah to this point and had all but destroyed their nation and their national identity. But they were mourning what could have been. They were mourning their future because they could not foresee a peace. And here comes Isaiah with their prophetic voice. And don't we just love prophets? Because they don't ever tell us, quite often, what we want to hear. So here comes Isaiah with their prophetic voice. The same voice that in previous chapters predicted the awful future for the people if they didn't return their focus to God. Which, of course, did they listen to it? No. Of course, the people didn't listen. And God told Isaiah that that would happen as well. So for what it's worth, Isaiah knew coming in that people probably weren't going to pay attention. And so now here they are. And they are standing in the middle of the situations that they have created for themselves. And Isaiah is here with another message. But this time, this time, it has promise attached to it. It's a promise that though things may feel terrible right now, and maybe not even feel terrible, but are terrible right now, the promise is that peace is on the horizon, that things would not always be like they are now, that what they have experienced thus far will be turned completely upside down, and so we hear Isaiah speak of that stump, of the new growth that will occur from that seemingly dead space. That there will be new growth from that family tree of David. And new growth means that hope is not lost that peace is possible because the kingdom is not forever gone, but will once again have life, will once again not just merely survive, but thrive. And these are words of comfort and consolation to a very broken people. Spoken to the people through a prophet who has been with them the whole time. When you read the book, Isaiah never leaves the people. Isaiah never says, y'all aren't listening, I'm out. He remains with them. They remain with the people. The prophet has been with them the whole time, has seen the worst, has not been listened to, and is still present still speaking the word of God and still encouraging the people to continue to move forward and to imagine what can come. These are words of comfort and peace. Words of comfort that peace will come again. A peace that will be restored in the world. But here's the thing. It is not through a warrior king 
It is not through someone who will push back the line of the Assyrians, but it is through a savior, a messiah, an anointed one, not a warrior, but a chosen one of God, one that will come in the fullness of human time and history. And the peace that this Messiah will bring, the peace that will be experienced in this regrowth from the stump, this is peace of a divine kind. This peace is God's peace, a kind of peace that once again turns everything upside down, that promises wholeness and comfort even in times of trouble and turmoil. This is God's peace. But the people are still scarred and battle-weary. The people who are hearing this for the first time are not ready to believe it just yet. They're not ready to join the prophet on this journey toward peace because they're scared. And in Isaiah's words, once again, we hear comfort and God's promises to restore and renew if we but listen and allow God to work. We hear of God's promise that even the most bitter of enemies represented by these predator, prey, juxtapositions, the, the lion and the lamb, we hear of God's promise that even the most bitter of enemies will not just see eye to eye, will not just, as we like to say today, agree to disagree, but will live side by side in peace. We hear God's promise that peace will make the vulnerable, will make the vulnerable or give the vulnerable access access to the same kind of peace as the privileged. Just as a child can play over the den of a snake and not be harmed. We hear God speaking to the beloved children of Israel, of Judah, people who have experienced so much pain, promising them that they have not been forgotten or abandoned even as it feels like the world is crumbling down around them. Because when all is said and done, when all of the pieces are in place and all the preparations for the coming of the Lord have been completed, there will spring a root from the tree of Jesse, from the house of David, and the Messiah will come and bring peace to a hurting world. Again, God's peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And the glory of God will be revealed. It is said in the prophets, the glory of God will be revealed in time. And the people will experience it in their midst. This is the same message that is calling to us through the ages. That this same comfort, this same peace is possible and available to us 
if we allow ourselves to actively journey toward peace, if we set aside all the things that scare us and allow God to guide us, if we set aside the things that separate us and allow God to be the tie that binds us, peace is coming. This is the same comfort offered to the people of Judah, and it is offered to us today. And it starts, just as it did then, with that first step on the journey, which is opening our hearts to welcoming God into our lives. What I believe is toughest for us to understand about this piece is that it takes work. It takes intention. It requires us to step out into the journey, to step out and onto the journey toward that peace, not simply to wait for it to appear. Which means that along this journey that we are on, just as the journey was for those first hearers of this prophecy, things won't suddenly be perfect. And I think that's really hard for us to accept. That in those moments, when we allow ourselves to be open, sometimes we just expect it to be perfect. But that's not how it works. It doesn't mean that there won't be disasters or famines or disease or war. But it does mean that not only can we face those things unafraid, knowing that peace is possible, but that we can in strength and with confidence work toward making sure that it does happen in our lifetime and to not be afraid. The question then is how do we do it? How do we know that peace will come and just allow our fears to be set aside to be able to do that work? Well, just like our life journeys, we have to first acknowledge that peace is different for everyone. Amen? Just like healing looks different for everyone. For some, peace is coming to terms with what has passed and allowing yourself to look forward to the future without fear. That is peace. For some, it's knowing that you are loved because no one has told you that before. It's knowing that you are loved, that you are protected, that you are safe, and you can trust the people around you. That is peace. And in each of these moments of peace, we experience calm or comfort or serenity. That is peace. The world is not suddenly a perfect utopia of peace in those moments, but we are able to grasp a hold of peace, which can calm and strengthen us for the journey. And that journey then means we can pass through the tough stuff, preventing us from bringing God's peace into the world. And we do it because God is not just with us, but dwelling 
with us, living with us. And how do we find it? How do we know when we stumble upon it? Well, we find it when we give ourselves opportunities like these here on Sunday mornings. When we set time aside and we step away and we give ourselves permission to quiet our minds and our bodies, we are experiencing peace right now. We find that when we allow ourselves to be open to movements of the spirit throughout the day, encountering God in the everyday stuff, knowing that we are held, even when things get a little messy, that calm that we suddenly experience in the storm, that is peace. So this week, this week and every week, I invite you to sit with these words of Isaiah, to read them and reread them, and to seek the peace of a deeper relationship with God as spoken to us through the prophets. I invite you to find ways to experience that peace in a way that you've maybe never experienced it before. The truth is, the journey toward peace is worth it, beloveds. The journey towards peace will always be worth it. And so my prayer is that as we embark on this journey together, may we get a taste of that peace, of the peace that is possible. And may we get to experience it together as a people and as individuals to bring that peace just a little bit closer to fruition here on earth as it is in heaven. May it be so for each and every one of us. Amen.